Well, good morning. Glad to see everybody out and about. And I can smell Lysol up here. I don't know who's got it on them. I don't know if y'all put up your perfume and got out the Lysol. What? I, I can smell it up here. Um, there is a lot going on, I know, and we, you're hearing it um, on the news quite a bit. And, and we're going to use all precautions here at the church and, and take care of y'all. And uh, y'all take care of us. You know, just use common sense. And uh, it's hard not to shake a hand in the morning for me, uh, uh, but I'm trying to refrain. Uh, Jerry, what did you say? Elbow bump this morning? We was going to do the corona bump. We're just going to you know, bump elbows. Or something. I don't, but uh, just use common sense. And if things change here, uh, we'll definitely keep you posted and in the loop. But right now, we're going to keep trucking like we're, like we're supposed to and keep honoring God every way we can. Um, and if you just feel sick, don't come. Uh, oh, Carolyn was telling me that Doug Grove said that uh, anybody had a heart condition or heart problem not to go to church. I thought, well, that'd be the case. It wouldn't be a church open right now because we all got heart problems. We all got a heart condition. We got sin. So he, <laughs> Ron should have reworded that, rephrased that. Uh, but uh, it's, we're, we're going to be fine. We're going to get through this. We get through them all the time. It happens often. This one's just getting blowed up a little bit. But uh, just uh, stay clean and find some toilet paper, I guess. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be over in, in one little verse. Um, this is this is the scripture I don't like to read on uh, during a funeral, but we'll be over in Psalms twenty three verse four, and it's just a. I really want to break it apart today for a little bit. I'm not a I'm not a big uh, I'm not a big uh, fan of using twenty third Psalm at a funeral because there's so much life inside these verses that people tend to twist and turn around and make it kind of morbid, uh, and it's not. There's a lot in here that is should be an encouragement for each one of us. And the uh, Lord laid us on my heart earlier this week because of what we're going through. We're going through as a nation, as a, as a community, as, a, as even the church, uh, we're going through a trying time right now. We're being tested. Uh, I, one of my friends said this morning, uh, why don't we just hand our Bibles over to the devil and bow down to him right now? Because that's what it seems like. Uh, he's got a foothold right now. And in, in, in not I can't say our country. In this world right now, he has a foothold, and and people are going to use this 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 uh, virus and some other things going on right now as as an excuse to not worship God and to not honor God and and to um, backslide just a little bit more than likely. But there's there's a thing that happens, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit later after the service when we get into prayer time. Uh, but there's something that the devil does. I'm sorry, but back up, not the devil. Something that God does that. He does it not as often as he used to do, but he used to send pestilence. And you go in the Old Testament and you read about when, when things were going, uh, going wrong in the world, what would God do? He would send a pestilence. Would he not? I, I, I can go back and find you scripture after scripture where he would send a pestilence to us, to the world. What does a pestilence do? It, it can wreak havoc, but what does it normally do? It turns us back to God, don't it? A pestilence tends to turn us back to God, and that's what's going on right now. So I want to, today, as, as we go into this scripture, this one little verse, I want you to go back to God because we're getting ready to walk through, and we ain't seen nothing yet. We're getting ready to walk through a valley that the majority of us have never got to experience before. Carolyn's talking about uh, being quarantined back in her younger days. Most of us can't recall being quarantined. Most of us can't recall churches being shut down or places of business being shut down like this or uh, 
heaven help us right now, you know, government's getting ready to, to close for a little bit. We haven't experienced this before. So we, as a nation and as a world right now, we're getting ready to walk through one of the darkest valleys that we've ever seen in our lives. But there's hope. There's hope through this valley that we're getting ready to walk through. And there is a bright light at the end of this tunnel, I promise you that. And that's Jesus. And that's where we need to turn to uh, in this time of need right now. So we're going to look at some scripture. We're going to look at some fears because each one of us has a fear, don't we? Oh, Madison's not here. Man, I could use her right now and her clowns. Yeah. <laughs> Call her real fast. Ask her where she's at. No. There is, there's these fears that we all have. And there was this church one time that had been renovated and, and they were getting it out to the public. They wanted the public to hear or to come and, and be a part of this church. Come see this renovation that we've done. It used to be an old warehouse. And so they'd renovated and they put these Sunday school rooms down the sides of it. And, and this whole church had been renovated. It was really, really nice. So they said, well, you know, we need to reach out to these, to these children and get these children encouraged to come to church. And, and so what did they do? They stooped into worldly pleasures and they brought Barney the Purple Dinosaur in. They did. That's unfortunate. But they brought Barney in. And so Barney looks good on TV to kids, right? Because he's about that big on TV. But when you bring in a seven-foot-tall purple dinosaur into a church, kids are terrified. And there's this one young and was absolutely just trembling, scared to death, screaming at the top of his lungs because that purple dinosaur terrified him. His mom was a Sunday school teacher, couldn't do anything with him, said, i got to go teach Sunday school. Well, the dad, so the dad took him and calmed him down. The other thing was the dad was an, was an usher and had to take up the offering at some point. And so the dad said, well, I'll just put my youngin over here in this one of these new Sunday school rooms. So he did. I'm announced to him that that just happened to be the changing room for Barney the Purple Dinosaur. So when Barney walks in that room, that youngin is terrified, and he's hemmed up because there's one way in, one way out. <laughs> that youngin ain't coming out. And so he's screaming at the top of his lungs, and before his dad could get there, the guy inside the costume took his head off to try to calm him down, and the poor youngin is screaming, he's already eaten somebody. <laughs> so we, we have these fears. That young is terrified of Barney now. I was terrified of Barney too when I was younger. But we all have these fears in our lives, these things that absolutely just eat us up. And I say Madison and clowns, folks, she really is terrified of clowns. I'm not pointing her out to be mean, but everybody has a fear. Um, mine, mine is drowning. My, that's why I don't like water. I mean, I am, I'm seriously terrified of water because of drowning. We all have these fears that some we laugh at. We laugh at, at Madison over these, and Hunter ain't helping her none. I know that. He's making it worse. But we have these fears, and there's no way to get around them sometimes. We have them. I don't, every one of us has something that really gets us and bothers us uh, bad. I think we can all agree on Barney. <laughs> he terrifies us all. But we have to, and we gotta, we got to try to figure out how to get over them. So David picks out this thing we're most afraid of as he, as he writes this beautiful psalm. Psalm 23 is beautiful if you really read it, right? You read it in a life giving or a lot in a living uh, manner it's a it's a beautiful verse it's beautiful scripture to be reading on so Paul though he or Paul I'm sorry David that he he picks death the one thing that the majority of people fear is death and so he picks it to write about and we're going to look at that today um, 
most people are afraid of, of dying, and I'm not sure why. Um, I, I, for me, I don't fear dying. I look forward to the time that I get to go on and be with my Jesus. I look forward to that. But I think what most of us fear when it comes to dying is leaving our loved ones. That's what bothers me is, you know, if I go early, you know, I worry about my children. I worry about my wife. You know, I worry about family. If I go, you know, and I'm still here, I worry about you guys. You know, I know you'll go on, you'll move on. But, you know, that's, that's what I hang up on is the ones that are living, the ones that I may be leaving behind. And you think about what death really is. Death is Satan's last weapon. That's the last thing that he can do to us, especially to a Christian, because once we're gone, we're in the hands of Jesus. Amen. We have crossed over Jordan. We have went through those gates. We are on these streets of gold, and we get to go, and we get to walk hand in hand with God. We are there with Jesus in heaven, in our little mansions or one-room sheds or whatever we're in, and we are happy. Death has nothing on us from that point on. The devil can't do a thing to us. From that point on, that's, that's the great part about death. The devil can't mess with us no more. He's not there in heaven if we're Christian. If we don't know Jesus, then he's, he's going to deal with us for eternity then. But David, he went through life knowing that death was always around him. Everywhere he went, death was always there. Death was always lurking in the shadows. Death was always right around the corner. Death was right on that ledge. Death was right behind him. But he could go through life knowing that there was a shepherd by his side. He could go through it because he knew that he was, a, he was a little lamb. He was a sheep. So he could go through this life knowing that Jesus, that God himself was the great shepherd and was there with him and was going to, to lead him through. And so David, knowing how shepherds worked and knowing how sheep worked, when he wrote this 23rd Psalm, he wrote it from a sheep's point of view. And that's the, that's the only thing we want to read today. It's just verse 4. I love verse 4. If you stand with me just a second, stretch your legs, one little verse. The 23rd Psalm, verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Let's pray. Father, this evening or this morning, we, uh, we come to you. God, we ask for guidance. God, we ask for clarity. God, we ask this morning uh, just for a touch uh, from your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would just get in our hearts this t- today, Lord, and, and, and work in us. Lord, I pray that you would convict those that, that need that conviction. Lord, I pray that you would give peace to those seeking that peace this morning. Father, I pray that through whatever we do, God, it would honor you. And God, we thank you for this opportunity that you've given us this morning to, to gather and worship uh, Father, I do want to lift up our sister churches that were unable to, to come together. Father, I pray that uh, they would find peace in that decision that they had to make. Lord, we know that they, they were seeking your face in that, and it was a tough decision. But, Father, I pray uh, that you would honor them in, in what's being said and done. And, God, I pray that you would get us all back together in your house, uh, Lord, in, in the near future safely. God, we thank you again for allowing us to come here and worship. I pray, Lord, you would just bless each one that is here. Us, your son's name, we pray. Amen. You have a seat. Is this thing kicking on and off? Okay. Okay. Just making sure. So that phrase there, the valley of the shadow of death, it's an, it's an actual place in Israel. Now, I, I missed it. I come back a few days early, but that Sunday that I came back, uh, 
this year, they, they all went to the valley of the shadow of death. And that's where they had their, their Sunday service. They actually had a sunrise service so that you could watch as the sun rise, you could watch the shadow go through that valley. And they said it was just an absolutely beautiful thing. But that road, it's in Israel, and it's, in, uh, it's south of the Jericho Road, which is leading up into Jerusalem, um, or from Jerusalem to the Dead Sea. And that road is a very, very narrow passage between some mountains. You've got to go through this with your sheep to get to greener pastures because that's what's on the other side of the valley of the shadow of death is greener pastures. So as a shepherd and you had a flock of sheep that you're trying to take care of, you want green pastures. You want them to be able to graze on the good stuff. But the only way to get to the good stuff was to go through this valley. And this valley was about four mile, four and a half miles long, I think, something like that, about four and a half miles long, and the, the walls could get up as tall as about a 1,000 feet. So it's pretty tall cliffs in there, and it could be as narrow at some points as 10 or 12 feet. So it could funnel in, and if you're claustrophobic, which is another one of those fears, some people, that's my mom's fear, is claustrophobia, she cannot stand tight places. She said, how am I going to handle it when I'm dead and gone and you put me in a casket? I don't know. You, you ain't going to experience it. You ain't going to know what's going on anyway. So there, these walls narrowed down about 10 or 12 feet, and then there's some, some, uh, some ditches. So you're going through this, this valley, and then there's ruts and ditches in there. Then they can be up to eight feet deep where the water's gone through and washed it out. So you've got to think about this. We don't experience things like that here in Avery or in Watauga County. We don't have these valleys that are that treacherous. It's so treacherous in there that sheep can't turn around in some spots because they can't get a footing. They're moving through as quickly as they can, but if you got to turn them and come back out, you're kind of stuck because there's no way they can't get their hooves on a rock to get turned around. So it's pretty rough in there. It can be dangerous, it's a, and, and that's how some of these greener pastures that we go to can be dangerous. It looks good. We know what's four and a half miles on the other side of this valley. We know what's there. It looks awful mighty good right now. I can smell it from here but I still got to go through this valley. I still got to go through this area right here that, that's very, very dangerous, very tre treacherous. You can't go around it. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You got to go through it. So we all have these valleys that we have to go through. Now, I'm not talking about just a, a, a valley of the shadow of death. I'm just saying valleys. We got low points in our lives that each one of us have got to go through. And you, we're going to spend more time trying to figure out a way to go around it and not through it. We spend more, if we would just go on through it and know that our shepherd is with us and know that he has our hand, that he has our safety, he is there for our protection, that he is there for our best interest. If we would just go on through it knowing that he's there, we'd get to the other side a lot quicker. But what do we do? We sit and we try to figure out a way around it. We try to figure out how we, maybe we can climb that cliff and go on whatever's above. Maybe it's flatter up top. Well, what if we just go the long way around it? Instead of going four and a half miles this way, what if we just go about 35 miles around this way and try to bypass it all? You're going to lose your sheep. Your sheep get lost. Ain't nothing to eat if you go the long way around it. Ain't nothing to drink if you go the long way around it. Let's just suck it up and know that God is with us, and let's just go right on down the middle. Let's split this thing wide open and get on to our pastures because 
That's the way God wants us to go. He wants us to go through that. He wants us to experience that valley. Because what happens when you get to the end of that valley? You're stronger. I'm not going to say physically stronger, but your faith is stronger. Your faith is stronger in him knowing that he just did this thing. My God just protected me. My God with his rod and his staff just protected me as I went through that valley. My God was by my side. My God didn't leave me whenever we got up to that cliff. My God didn't leave me when that wolf came running through. My God stayed by my side and he protected me. Your faith gets stronger when you go through these valleys. Folks, I can't tell you. The last time that we experienced something like this in our churches with scares, not scares, Maj. Just so you know, there's a big difference. It might have been, might have been why the toilet paper's gone now. I don't know. Somebody, somebody got the scares. <laughs> the last time we experienced this in our churches was 19 years ago. Y'all remember 9-11? Some obvious to do. We was packing churches that Sunday. We was packing churches. Somebody needed somebody to turn to. This world had to find some guidance, some peace. For a few short months, there's a lot of people got stronger in their faith after 9-11. You know what? A lot of people's going to get a lot stronger in the weeks and months ahead through this, this, this little scare that we're going through. We're going to go through a valley, folks. We're going through a valley right now. We just got to the beginning of it. We ain't seen nothing yet. But as we go through this little valley, as we go through and, and we're dodging rocks and we're trying to dodge these sheep or these, um, these wolves, and we're dodging cliffs, we've got to remember through this valley, God is with us. He is by our side the entire way through this thing. Paul, Paul made sure that we understood that death was conquered. That's what I want you to understand this morning is that death was conquered. Our fears have been conquered. We ain't got nothing to be scared of right now because God's taking care of it. Jesus took care of it for us on the cross. We've got nothing to be scared of. Over Rome, I love this. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor, nothing, nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Folks, as we're going through this valley, ain't nothing going to separate us from God. As much as, the, as, as people or media or whatever you hear is going to try to drive that wedge between us and God, it ain't going to happen. What we have to do right now as Christians is we've got to draw closer together and closer to God. We've got to seek him out for the guidance as we go through this valley. Lock arms with one another. Grab his hand and know that he is with us through this valley. And we're going to get through this thing. I don't care what you read or what you hear. We're going to get through this thing because I know a God. I know a man that's going to be by our side as we go through it. And I hope through this whole time we're going through a valley that we exalt him, that we lift up his name, and everything that we do honors Him and glorifies Him and no one else or nothing else. If we're in Christ, when it comes time for us to go, we've got nothing to fear. We talk about this valley of shadow of death, but we've got nothing to fear. There's one who will be there to protect us and walk by our side. 
He's going to walk through not just that situation, but every situation. Every situation that we come through and go through in our life, He's going to walk through it with us. I can promise you that because it's written, because it's been said in the Word of God that He will be with us always. It says always. But always He's going to be with us, to even to the end of the earth, to the end of the world. As we go to four corners, as we go everywhere we go, the Bible says, I'll be with you always. I'll be with you always. God's path will always have detours out there for us because the devil's made them. God's path out there may have some broken roads. God's path out there may have some pastures that are dry, some green pastures on one side. God's path may have some quiet, still waters for us to step, step by, sleep by, stay, or lay by. There's going to be some barren land that we're going to cross by. It's going to be there. And there's going to be some raging rivers. We're going to see some white water out there as we're going down through these valleys. But what we need to understand, it'll be there, and we've got to make a decision on how we want to travel. You've got to make a decision on what road you want to stay on or if you want to take that detour, if you want to take that long way around. Now, is God going to be with you? If you go the long way, he'll still be with you. But that's outside of his will. His will is free to be on in this valley. His will is free to be on this straight and narrow. And he said, I'll be with you. But if we venture off, if we try to do our own thing, he's still with us. But it's going to be a lot harder on us. It's going to be a lot harder because it's against what he has for us. So what does David tell us to do when we're walking through these valleys? Well, shepherds lead their sheep through dangerous valleys. That's what they had to do. They knew the area. They knew the, the land. They knew where the good stuff was. They knew where to go. And you guys, if you, if you like to fish, if you, especially like trout fish, where do you go trout fishing if you want the good ones, the big ones? You don't go, you don't just pull off the edge of the road and if you can see the river and just go down there and fish. You're, you're going to catch them little ones, you know, 8, 10 inches. Where do you go if you want the good stuff? You walk, you hike for miles down those rivers. You go where people don't go. That's where the good ones are. That's where the big ones are. These shepherds knew that. If you want the good grass, if you want the really good green grassy pastures, then you're going to have to go through these valleys. You're going to have to go through the dangerous parts, not just what you can see from the road. He said, stick with it. Go through the dangerous stuff. It was scary to go through. It's always scary to go through valleys. Always scary to go through valleys because we, didn't, we don't know what's there. and We don't know what can attack us. We know the devil's going to be there and he's going to attack us. But we don't know how he's going to attack us. Is he going to come from the top? Is he going to come from the side? Is he going to sneak up behind us? What manner is he going to attack us? There's always something out there that scares a lot of people, and that's shadows. There's these shadows out there that tend to, to frighten people, especially the, ones, especially the one that, that, that death can cast. That shadow that's out there can be scary and make you want to turn around and run. But we can't. We can't run from those shadows. Shadows can't hurt you. 
Death's shadow can't hurt you. As a Christian, they can't do nothing to you. Don't let them shadows scare you. You, you ever heard them people out there that they're scared of their own shadow? <laughs> we know a few of those. Those are the worst coon hunters in the world. I'll go ahead and tell you that right now. I just, just so you know. Without a shepherd, we're entirely hopeless in whatever we do. Sheep have to have a shepherd. That's all there is to it. Without a shepherd, we're helpless. Sheep are helpless. And that's what we are. We're his flock. We've got to have that guidance. We, strength and courage is great. I mean, it helps. But it, it can't make us overcome death. We've got to have that shepherd. We've got to have that relationship with that shepherd so that we can overcome death, so that we can overcome that fear of death. I mean, one person can walk with us through death's uh, dark valley and bring us safely to the other side, and that's Jesus. That's it. He is the only one. You can try to find somebody else to hold your hand and get you through it, but they can't. Only Jesus can get us through that valley. Only Jesus can get us through death's shadow. That's our shepherd. That's what he does. He's been there. Now, God promised he will protect us through storms. He told us he'd protect us through storms, given us that courage and given us the strength that, that it's going to take for us to make it through that, that storm or make it through that valley. He promised us, I'll give you exactly what you need. I'll give it to you right when you need it. And we've got to trust him. We've got to look to God. We have to. As we go through this valley, we have to look to God. And we're going to do that after a while. We're going to pray. I've, I've talked to a lot of preachers the past two days, and, and we're all, we've all tried to get on the same page. And at noon today, or thereabouts, we're going to pray. And we're going to ask God to get us through this valley safely. We're going to ask God to lead us through this valley the best that he can. We've got to look to God, though, and we've got to see what he has to offer, each one of us, so we don't become discouraged in this dark time. Now, there's two things I noticed about the phrase, I will fear no evil. There's two things here. The first thing, God doesn't panic when we go through a problem, but neither does a sheep. God didn't panic going through that valley. If you read that, them sheep didn't panic going through that valley. They just went on through. It doesn't say, yea, though I run through the valley of the shadow of death, did it? No. It said I walk. The Bible doesn't say I retreat when I get to the valley of the shadow of death. My Bible don't say that. My Bible doesn't say I shake in my sandals when I get to the valley of the shadow of death. My Bible says I walk. I walk through that valley. He walks with his head up high. He walks standing straight as he goes right down that valley because somebody's got a hold of him as he walks through that valley. Somebody is grabbed a hold of him and, and placed that hedge of protection around him. And so he can walk without fear through that valley. Yea, though I walk through that valley. And the second thing, look at the, the words I will. I will means somebody just made a choice. I will. He says, I will fear no evil. He says right here, I will overcome this problem. I will cross through this valley. I will make it with God's help. I will. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will 
fear no evil. We should refuse to be discouraged through these valleys. Folks, that's what's going on right now. There's a lot of things being said and done right now to try to discourage us and try to get us down. We can't. We've got no reason to be discouraged. We don't need to be down right now. Paul tells us that when we're at our weakest, God's his strongest. We're a weak nation right now. We're a weak world right now. Guess what? God's getting stronger and stronger. Stronger and stronger right now. We need to turn to that. We need to turn to him in his strength and his power and his might, in his love, and rely on him to get us as, through this valley that we're going through. Don't be afraid. Not because we're strong and tough, but because we trust in the promises of God. Every promise he's ever made us, we need to trust in that, knowing that he's going to pull us through this time of need that we're in right now. Through it all, we're going to trust God and walk through this valley. Now, there's another reason why you should refuse to be discouraged today. I mean refuse it. You need to rebuke fear today. David reminds us that the great, of this great promise. He said, for thou art with me. What a promise. That's why you reject fear. Because he says, for thou art with me. He's with us. He's with all of us right now. These men and women that are sitting up long hours of the night trying to protect us. That's what they're doing. They're doing things in our best interest to protect our health, protect our society. It's in our best interest. And as they set up long hours, God's still with them. He says, for thou art with me. As we go through valleys, we can never forget that. That's the one thing in a funeral sermon out of the Psalms 23 that I hope you get out of it. As you go through this valley, he's with you, for thou art with thee. God is with you every step of the way. He, 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 God promises his presence. We know we got his presence through the Holy Spirit. When he left us and he, he ascended back to heaven, what did he say? He said, I'll not leave you comfortless. I'll not abandon you. I'm going to leave something with you that will always remind you of me because it is me. I'm going to leave you with a great comforter. I'm going to leave you with great comfort knowing that no matter where you go, I'll be with you. No matter what you go through, I'll be with you. No matter what mountaintop experience you have right now, I'm still going to be with you. No matter what detour you might take around that valley, I'm still going to be with you. No matter what, I will be with you. It don't matter how bad you've been, he, he won't leave you. No matter how far off that beaten path you might have gotten, he won't leave you. No matter how far outside the will of God that we get, he's still there waiting for us to turn back to him and get back where he wants us to be. Now notice the tone there in the psalm. It changes at this point right here. The tone changes. The, psalmist, or the psalm becomes more personal, a lot more personal with us. When you're going through dark valleys, you don't want to talk about God. What do you want to do? You want to talk to God. I don't want to talk about him. Talking about I mean, that's bragging about him. I'm all right with that. But when I'm going through a valley, I want to talk to him. 
I want to hear, hear that still small voice saying, watch, that, watch your footing, watch your step, watch, watch that wolf over there, watch that motor about to roll down. I want to hear that still small voice as he protects me. And then when I get out of that valley, then I'm going to talk about him. I want to tell everybody what he just done for me. I want to tell everybody how he just protected me. I want to tell everybody how as I was going four and a half miles down that valley, not one time did God take a break. Not one time did he say, whoa, 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 whoa. Can I stop and get some water? Hey, can we, you, you got any, any Snickers in that bag? Can we, can we have, can we have, Lord, I hope he ain't asking Abby. She, hers is gone. He didn't. And I want to tell people that. But when I'm going through that valley, I want to talk to him, not about him. I want him to get us through it. You need that relationship. God says, I'm with you. And I'm going to lead you through it. I promise you that. We need to know and trust that God is right there with us. We need to know that. So if you get nothing this morning, I want you to get this. God is with you. God is with you. I think as a, and I'm not done yet, but I think as a nation, we need to remember that. As church members, we've known that, but don't it normally take a little scare sometimes to get us, to remind us that, hey, we really do need him right now. Hey, he is there. Ain't that normally what happens in time of crisis? We don't call out to God until something bad goes on. But amen or oh my. That's what happens. We wait till it gets bad, then we turn to God. Well, what about when times are good? Do we ever turn to him and thank him? Not like we ought to. We need to hold on to the fact that Jesus said over in Matthew 28, he said, Lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Even until the end of the world. Until our time here is done, until he calls us home. He says, Lo, I'm with you always. Always. Except for an airplane. That's, this is the verse my grandma always throws out. That's why she won't fly, because it says, Lo, I'm with you always. I said, Grandma, it's L-O, not L-O-W. She hangs on to it. She says it's biblical. We'll go with it. He says, he is with us always. That's God's gift of himself to us. Through the Holy Spirit, he says, I'm with you always. I'm going to be there. Don't worry. Have no fear. Fear not. Isaiah 41.10 tells us, fear not. And that's exactly what we ought to be doing right now is fear not. I ain't scared right now. I ain't got nothing to be scared of. He offers us company. He offers us companionship right now. And there may be a time. And I, I, folks, I don't know what's going to happen. At some point they may, I ain't going to say require, but they may strongly encourage us to not gather for a, a couple Sundays. I don't know what, they're gonna, what we're going to do. We'll get there. We'll, we'll cross that bridge and we'll get there. But I need you to understand that he's there to comfort us even if we do have to stay at home for a little while. He's there to comfort us. I'm thankful for, for once, for internet, because if, if he says, if they say, hey, y'all, y'all don't really need to be together right now, we're going to figure out some way to, to get it online, go live or do something with it, just so that we can at least assemble ourselves <laughs> via internet for a little while. We'll figure it out. But as we go through these hard times, as we move through these hard times in life, we need to understand that we're not alone. 
And these people that are being quarantined right now, they're not alone. These churches right now that, you know, I'm glad that they exceeded that number of 100 and say, hey, we, we're going to have to shut down. But I'm also thankful that they're smart enough to realize, well, we got 500 people. I guess we're going to have five services today. They're smart enough to figure that one out. Good, go for it. But no matter what happens, we've got to realize through this valley, God says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take your hand and lead you on through this. But there comes a point when we decide that we need more, we want more, we seek these relationships, and, and we, we tend to try to find it somewhere else. As we go through this valley, we try to find something else to feel, um, or to, to pull us through it because we don't feel like maybe God is moving us through that valley fast enough. I, I don't know if y'all have ever been coon hunting before, but there's been times that I'll be walking and I'm listening to my dogs. And I, I'm being real slow because I don't, I don't want to be loud because I'm listening. But then there's a, a stick or a twig break behind me. And I don't walk through that valley no more. I run really fast through that valley. Sometimes we get like that. Sometimes a stick snaps behind us as we're walking through this valley. And we try to find something else to get us through it a little bit quicker. That's not God's will. God's got his own pace for us. Whether it be a slow walk or a fast walk, or maybe he's going to park you for a little while. Because later on in here, he tells us, he says, uh, let me get to it. Or it's up in verse 2. He says, uh, he maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Now, sometimes he's going to make you park at that still water for just a moment. So that you can catch your breath and maybe stop and realize that he's still there with you. But remember that. Whatever happens, don't you be trying to find another way out of the valley. You just keep on path that he's got you on. When when a church is working right and the people meet the needs of the the people through the power and grace of God, then we're going to see great things happen in his church when we're working together. And that's what we're going to be doing here in just a few minutes is we're going to be working together. Not as Chestnut Dale, not as Victory, not as Emmanuel. Even got Westside over in Watauga on with us and some others. But today the church is going to work together. In prayer, through prayer, asking for God to intervene. Asking for God to step in and, and take care of this thing for us because I've come to the conclusion, me and preacher David Ward was talking on the way to church this morning. We've come to the conclusion that I don't think anybody's even brought this thing to God. You ever thought about that? I don't know that many people have even thought, let's just give this to God and see what he'll do with it. And so that's what we're going to do today is we're going to ask God to take it and do something with it. I'm going I'm to close with this right here. I read this a few weeks ago, but it kind of fell in today. I read about a woman whose her health was, was pretty bad. And she needed to have an MRI done, and she kept telling her daughter, I can't do this. I, can't, I just can't do this right now. I can't stay in this tunnel. If you all ever had an MRI, they're not the, the most fun thing in the world. I had one last year, and I have panic attacks. I'm semi-claustrophobic. They had to put a towel over my head just so I wouldn't freak out. But this woman said, I can't do it. I can't go in there by myself. 
And so the daughter was able to go in there and hold her hand and sing hymns to her while she had her MRI done. That's what we need sometimes. Actually, a lot of times. We need that person. We need somebody to hold our hands when we're scared, when we go through that valley. We need somebody to hang on to our hand and sing us a psalm so that we can get through this. Not on our own, but through Him. We need that. This verse ends right here. He says, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thy rod and thy staff. The, the rod and staff, they're basic shepherd tools. The rod. They, the, those little shepherds, they trained with this rod. This rod wasn't a big old stick like this pole right here. The rod is about two foot long with a little knot on the end of it. Like a billy stick. Similar to a billy stick. Something like that. That's probably where it come from. But they would train with it. Y'all put your billy sticks up for tasers, didn't you? You hung them up. David didn't have a taser back then. <laughs> but they would train with that, that rod. And they knew how to defend those sheep with a two-foot stick. That wolf would run out, and he knew how to thump it. He knew how to defend himself with that rod to take care of himself. When those, those dogs or those wolves is out there in the shadows and, and, and lurking around looking for prey, they had that rod. And that rod would give those sheep comfort knowing that that shepherd was going to protect them with that rod. He would use it as a weapon. And then the sheep, they'd have no fear in that valley because their, their master was there to protect them. And then you have the staff, and everybody knows what that staff is. We've got a couple of them hanging upstairs right now. It's a big old tall thing about like this with a big hook in it and that shepherd would use that staff it was another way of protecting them but not by fighting off animals it would protect them it would save them because that shepherd would take that staff and he could reach down when that when that sheep had fallen and he could get it by the neck or by the hoof and he could pull it back up to safety we need to understand that that's what God does for us. When we fall, when we stumble, when we get down where we don't feel like we can get back up, He can reach down with that staff. He can reach down with that strong arm that He has and He can pull us back up, get us back on our feet so that we can finish off on this trail that we're on right now in this valley. That's what He does. So that should give us, just like the sheep, it should give us comfort knowing that He's there to protect us and to save us through whatever we go through. He's made a promise to protect us. John 10, 29 says, My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my hands or my Father's hand. Nothing. You can go back to Romans 8, 38 and 39. I just read, there ain't a thing going to pluck us out of, any, out of God's hand. Nothing. There's no viruses out here that can take away our salvation. There's not a thing on this earth that can separate us from the love of God. There ain't a thing. Try as you may, you're wasting your time. If you're trying to find something that can separate us from God, you are just spinning your wheels because there ain't nothing. Once saved, always saved. You're done. You're in. You're good. When we're in the Father's hands, nobody can take us from His hands. I, I want to close with these three things. Three thoughts real fast on shadows. Three thoughts on shadows. Number one, Shadows are always bigger than they really are. Ain't that why we get scared of shadows? Because they're a lot bigger than us a lot of times. A lot of times. Depends on which way you're looking. We ain't got nothing to be scared of. 
because there's always something small at the other side that's cast in that shadow. So shadows are always bigger than we think they are. Number two, you'll like this one. Hang on to this. Shadows can't hurt you. There ain't nothing about a shadow that can hurt you. It can scare you. Y'all remember making those little shadow puppets growing up? Some of y'all may still do it. I don't know. Get bored at night. Make shadow puppets. But you can make some scary ones, can't you? I, rem I remember doing the little dog or wolf. And the bird. I was trying to think of all the ones I could do back in the day. I, I have to practice that tonight, I guess. But of all those shadows that you can make, did you ever find one that could hurt you? No. You can't get hurt by a shadow. And the third thing, shadows only appear when there's light. There's a light source. Shadows only appear when there's a light source. Only. We might have, we might be in a, in a dark valley right now, but there is a light at the tunnel. That's what you need to remember. There's a light at that tunnel that we're going to. As we go through the valley and we see these, sh these shadows, you've got to realize what's on the other end of that tunnel, what's on the other end of that valley. That's Jesus. 1 John 1, 5 tells us, This then is the message which we have heard of God and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Amen. In Him is light. So don't worry about these valleys as we're going through them. Don't worry about these shadows that you might see because we know God is light. And that John tells us right here, in Him is no darkness at all. There's no darkness in Him. Uh, Keith's talking about it this morning with... Uh, talking about sin and how he don't let that in. He don't let that darkness into heaven. He don't let that blackness in to heaven. All that darkness, all that blackness, that's for hell. That's sin. That's where all that goes. It ain't allowed in heaven. God won't let it up there. I love that. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Folks, we're, we're going to close. We're going to go into prayer here in just a second. I hope and pray that over the next few weeks, as we go through whatever we're getting ready to go through, that you find comfort knowing that God is in control. This might sound like the worst thing that's hit the world in years, and it may be. But we need to understand God is in control, and we have to turn to Him. We've got to seek Him through this whole thing. Ask for his guidance. Ask for, Folks, right now is a good time to be asking for some, some understanding, for some peace. All right, we've got to lean on him right now as we go through this. We gonna, uh, we're going to pray, and, and I had, I've got a little scripture I want to read before we go into prayer. Y'all, I'm not going to ask you to move. I don't know how y'all feel. Y'all are like sardines back there in the corner. Y'all probably okay. Um, I would ask if you can and if you're willing to, to, to join me at the altar, but you don't have to. Uh, we're not going to shake and howdy after this. You know, we're not going to be hugging and all that stuff. But um, I, got, I just got a little scripture here I want to read before we, we go into time of prayer. And then, I, I'm, folks, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely disappointed right now um, in, in, in the way that a lot of things have been handled. But what I'm really disappointed in is, is it's, this hasn't been turned over to God yet. And we're going to do that today. We're going to turn this whole thing over to Him and try to not 
deal with it ourselves because we can't we can't handle this. This morning I was out there reading in my office, and I, and I ran across this. Do y'all know what today is? It's March fifteenth. March fifth. Do you know what the number fifteen is in the Bible? Take a wild guess, anybody? Healing, rest, and restoration. The number 15 in the Bible is healing. That's what we need right now. Rest and restoration. This, this nation needs to be restored. We need, we need that. Throughout the Bible, God, and I said this earlier, God would send those pestilence out. And it would allow those people to refocus their problems, refocus their sight back on God. You guys, Mike knows about this, and Cindy, if you ever raised honeybees before, you kind of understand how bees work. Bees go out, but they're usually in a straight line before they go out. Sometimes we need to be realigned. Right, right now, I believe as, as a nation or as a world, we're scattered everywhere, and God wants to line us back up. We're back on that straight and narrow like we're supposed to be. We're right where he needs us to be. So we need to remember that. I want to read you something out of Psalms uh, 91. Uh, Psalms 91, verse 3 says, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the newsome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou thirst or trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. So we're going to pray this morning, and, and I'm going to ask you if you will just to, to join me. We're going to pray for three things. You can pray for a lot more than that if you want to, but these three things come to mind that I want us to really focus on. Number one, for God to heal our land. We need it. We need a great healing. We need a great revival, but we need a healing. Number two, take away that spirit of fear that everybody's got right now. I mean, First Timothy or Second Timothy tells us, "For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind." So, we need to pray this morning that God will take away that spirit of fear that a lot of people have right now and replace that with a, with the spirit of love and the spirit of encouragement that we need. And the third thing, that God would turn the hearts of this nation to Him. I think we should be praying that constantly, not just today. But we need to turn, this nation needs to turn its hearts back to him. So this morning, if you can join me in prayer, I'd encourage you to come up here to the altar. If not, stay where you're at. I completely understand. I'm clean. I wash my hands. Um, but if you can join me this morning, we're going to pray this morning as, as a church for some great things to happen in this world, in our hearts and our homes. Most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning, Lord, with heavy hearts. Lord, we, we see a nation, we see a world that's struggling with, with this virus. Lord, we see a, not just a, a world struggling with the virus, Lord, but we see a world and a nation that's struggling with sin. Lord, I pray today as we gather 
at this altar. Father, that you would turn this nation back to you. Lord, I pray that this world would stop trying to seek answers from somewhere else, Lord, that they would turn to you and look to you for that guidance. Lord, I pray that they would turn to you and look for healing and comfort from you because we can't do it, Lord. We can't do this on our own. God, I pray that you would just uh, have a working way, have a willing way. Lord, I pray that you would just have your way inside those, those clinics, Lord, where they're trying to figure out how to heal or how to fix this thing. Lord, I pray that your presence would be known as these companies, as, not these companies, these uh, countries, Lord, as these governments, Lord, as they get together, Lord, and try to figure out a way to deal with this. Lord, I pray that they would first and foremost, before they open their mouth, Lord, I pray that they would come to you. Father, I pray they'd get on their face, Lord, get on their necks. Lord, get on their bellies, Lord, and just reach out and cry to you, Lord, asking for guidance from you. Father, we can't do it. Lord, we just cannot do this right now. We need you more right now than I think we've needed you in years. Father, I pray that today, Lord, as these churches get together, as today is that day of prayer, Father, I pray that we would all come together in one accord, Father, seeking your face, your discernment, Lord, seeking your way to fix this thing, your way to get us back together, Lord, your way to heal a nation, Lord, to heal these countries that are struggling, Lord. I pray for a great peace that will come out of this, Lord. I pray for a great peace that will come back into our churches, Lord. I pray for a great peace that will come into our countries. God, I pray for a great peace, Lord, that passeth all understanding that would fall upon every person, every man and woman, every child that cries out to you this morning. Father, I pray that you grant them that peace. Father, I pray today that these nations, not Lord, not just the U.S., Lord, it ain't just us. God, I pray that these nations, with an S, Lord, these nations would turn to you, Father. I pray that they would seek you out today, Lord. I pray these nations, Lord, would turn to you. God, for our leaders, Lord, not again, not just here. God, every leader, everyone that's been affected, everyone that sits in these council chambers, that are sitting in these rooms uh, with all these men and women that are trying to figure out a plan, Father, I pray that you would be with them. Lord, your word tells us to pray for those that are in authority. Father, today we do lift them up strongly to you. Father, I pray that each church that's praying right now does just that. Lift them up to you. Father, I can't call them out. Lord, there's over 200 nations out there. There are 200 countries, almost 300 right now. God, I don't know them all, but you do. Father, I call them out to you right now. Father, I pray that you would touch them. Lord, give them some wisdom, Father. Uh, to turn this thing around. Lord, give them the wisdom that they need to guide and lead their country, to give their countries uh, a peace right now, Father, to give them an understanding. God, I do pray. Lord, I pray for a great revival to come out of this. That's my prayer. God, I pray that as we get together, as we get closer to you through this time, as we walk through this valley, Father, when we get to the end of this valley, Father, I pray for revival to break out. God, I pray that these nations that have turned to you, and Lord, when you step up and, and you do what you do, God, that they would say, this is the one true God. Lord, this is the God that we need to be worshiping. This is the God that I want to serve. And God, I pray for a great revival to break out in these nations. God, I thank you for an opportunity to come together at this altar with, with my family. Lord, with my brothers and my sisters. Lord, not just here at Chestnut, though, for all the ones up and down the roads that are praying right now. At 12 o'clock, Father, I pray that you hear it. God, I pray that each one of these churches are touching the throne of grace right now. Lord, what an opportunity that we have right now to talk to you and to come out and reach to you. Father, I pray that you hear these prayers. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. I pray, Lord, you'd bless each one that's here. Keep each family that's represented here today safe. Keep this, this county safe. Keep us healthy. 
And Lord, we're going to thank you and we're going to praise you when this is all said and done. Lord, we're going to praise you right now as we walk out of this place. We love you and we thank you. All in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. You are, you're dismissed from here. And we're going to keep you all posted. If anything changes, we'll let you know.